Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Everybody good? There you go. There you go. This is a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. Um, in between services, I couldn't help but go to my favorite spot in this church, which is the baptistry. And I love to just pull a chair up and just sit in front of that and just look at the stained glass and just hear the water as it just constantly pours. And if you know anything about that baptistry, that water just cycles through, so it just never stops. It just never stops, and it never stops. Just like as we heard from that wonderful song, as we sang, for endless days we get to sing his praise. For endless days we get to sing his praise. That's what our relationship with the Father is, and that is his love for us. It's constant grace. It's constant love, and he is never going to run out of that. It's just for you and for me. And we ought to celebrate that this morning, church. My name is Sheldon Kennison. I am uh, the campus pastor of our North Campus called First Family Fellowship. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. I wish I was here on better terms. Um, I wish I wasn't here because our, our brother Darren's sister passed. Uh, but nonetheless, she did. And he called me and said, hey, he said, can you kind of jump in here for me? Uh, and I said, yes, yes, absolutely I can. But Darren's been expositing revelation. Then we had Dr. Todd Still. And he asked me to jump in here and help lead you guys um, through the Lord's Supper. I'm like, Darren, those are some big shoes to fill. Those are some pretty big shoes to fill. So I really um, was humbled and appreciative of being able to to jump in here uh, with you guys today. We will be in Ephesians 6, and we will be covering verses 10 through 20 during our time of exposition today. Um, guys, today's sermon is meant to be um, a form of encouragement for us as Christians. It's meant to be a form of encouragement for us as believers. And for those of us in this room viewing online or at North Campus who are not believers, this sermon is meant to stir your affections for Christ. This sermon, the words that we go through, what we read in the book of Ephesians is meant to make you recognize the power, the authority, and the almighty love of the God who created you. That is what we are doing today. That is the aim of our time together this morning. Um, and we're going to be talking about the idea of spiritual warfare. So we're going to talk about that through Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. And this idea of spiritual warfare kind of landed at my front door two weeks ago. Uh, this has been an interesting couple of weeks for my wife and I. Next Sunday is actually we're celebrating North Campus's one-year anniversary. So for one year, we have been worshiping together. We have been praising the Lord together. And we have been um, exegeting the scriptures together, having prayer breakfasts and potluck lunches, and it's been absolutely beautiful. And so we challenged the campus. I challenged the campus. Hey, guys, we've been open for a year. What now? This is what we've done. This is what the Lord has allowed us to do. So where do we go now? And Third John was really kind of placed on my heart, and we gave a charge to the campus, and it was a beautiful, beautiful time together. And then the next morning when I woke up, the rose-colored glasses had been taken off, and reality kind of decided it was going to set in. All of a sudden, I started to have these things that were happening in my life and in my home that were not of the normal spectrum for how we operate. I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't put a name to it. I didn't know really what was going on. There was this kind of this form, this, this really weird lull around us. And as I was preparing for this today, the Lord revealed to me that it was a form of spiritual warfare. And this is something that far too often I don't think that Christians talk about. This is something far too often that we punt on. And this is something that we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about, um, 
we're going to talk about spiritual attacks. We're going to talk about the reality of spiritual attack, the weakness and the cowardness of Satan. And we're going to talk about biblically, from a Christian standpoint, how to handle this in accordance to God's word, in accordance to how we are to interact in the form of submission to the Holy Spirit. So we are going to talk about these things today, but these are not things for us to fear. These are not things for us to tremble at. These aren't things that put you on your heels because this is going to be a passage that sets you on your toes as we lean in to this idea of spiritual warfare. So our theme today goes as follows, church. Christians far too often pass on the spiritual fight. This is not because we are choosing to be consistently rebellious. Perhaps we might not recognize when we're being oppressed by our enemy, or perhaps we do not have the courage to face the trial at hand. Every believer will face opposition from Satan, but every believer has the ability to achieve victory during times of opposition in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus' death, burial, and miraculous resurrection equated our victory, and we must walk boldly in that truth daily. Every single day, there is the cosmic battle that goes back and forth. And every single day, Satan is trying to nip at the heels of believers. And he's trying to distract you and me from sitting in the presence of the Father. And he's also trying to form barriers in front of non-believers so they don't cross over for conversion. But just like every day that battle is taking place, every day the Holy Spirit is revealing himself to humanity. Every single day God gives us the opportunity to recognize the beauty of Christ as he sits on his throne above with his arms open, wooing his children, us, to his presence. So every day this cosmic battle is taking place and we know that Christ has already won the victory with the cross. And so then we must ask ourselves, how do we interact with what we know is still this day-to-day battle? We have three take-homes. One, true strength is provided from God in the form of the Holy Spirit. Two, the armor of God is provided because God loves us. Three, as a believer, we have everything we need in Christ Jesus to achieve spiritual victory. So be confident. We have everything that we need to achieve spiritual victory. If you have your Bibles open, go ahead and look at verse 10. That's where we're going to start, the form of exposition. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 10 again. It says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We see very clearly there the line of where strength is to come from. Paul is very explicitly calling the Ephesians to have strength, but strength in who? Where does the strength come from? Did he say have strength in me? Did he have say have strength in yourself, in your church, in your denomination, in your, in your community? He said have strength in the Lord. The strength of the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. This is a very difficult concept for us. Um, we are West Texans. We are Midlanders. We pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We charge men. We get machinery. And we do things for the world that nobody else does. We help move the motor of our economy. We, we help move the production of what it is that our nation knows as success. 
And that is a very awesome thing that we do. And, 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 and we are able to put our children in the right schools. We're able to get in the right homes. We're able to make the right friends in the right neighborhoods. And all of a sudden, that, if we don't watch it carefully, can make us kind of hold our forearms in the stance of defense and think, man, I've got this. And we can depend on our own strength, not the strength of Christ. But what about when COVID hits? and oil jumps to negative $12 a barrel like that and everybody's job's on the line. What about when we get sick or a family member gets sick and all of a sudden we get the news that they're gonna lose their life or we could potentially lose ours? What about when you feel so incompetent or you feel so unworthy that you're even asking yourself, why does God even leave me on this earth? How do we reconcile these things? How do we handle these emotions when our frailty is exposed? And we have to be sure that we're engaging with, with, with what verse 10 tells us. Because this is what he's calling the Ephesians to recognize. That God is enough. That God is strength. That he is might. That he is protecting. And that God can do what you and I cannot do. When the end of the day is done, and you and I, when we get our kids in bed, we get our grandkids in bed, whatever it is that we're doing, whatever phase of life you're in, and you get on your house shoes, and you go lay in your sheets, and you go to close your eyes, God does not. When we have to take a break and take a nap, or we have to eat food because we're weak, or we have to drink water because we're dehydrated, God does not. Because in his strength, there is full sufficiency, church. So when you are rolling in the waves of life, gasping for air, just recognize we cannot swim out of those waters on our own merit. We do that through the sufficiency of the power of Jesus Christ. Look at verses 11 through 12. In verses 11 through 12, Paul says to put on the whole armor of God, and he talks about that is for standing against the schemes of the enemy. And he says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the uh, rulers and the, the authorities and the cosmic powers over darkness and the spiritual forces of evil that will attack the heavenly places. So, we see here that our opposition is from Satan as believers in Christ. Far too often, we, we, we mislabel that. Far too often, we'll get tied up with a family member. We'll get crossways with somebody at work. All of a sudden, somebody stepped on our toes, and we will call them the problem. Yes, there might be an egregious offense that has happened to you. There might be something that's taken place in regards to that, but what is, what, what is inhibiting us from wanting that kind of reconciliation process to take place? That little whisper in the back of your ear and in the back of your head that is stopping you. And that's not that person doing that. That's not that situation doing that. That is Satan. That is the enemy. That is his army trying to distract us. Heard a guy one time, he was driving down the road and he hit a pothole and he was like, Satan got me. I'm like, Satan didn't get you. Texas Roads got you. But what happened was he let that hitting the pothole infiltrate his day and that whisper of frustration and anger began to seep into his full presence. Satan is our enemy. Christ is our victor. Do not mislabel those two. 
And we have to take a note here and we have to look at this, that Paul says to put on the whole armor of God. He does not say put on some armor. He does not say put on a couple pieces of armor. He does not say worry about these pieces. No, no, he says put on the whole armor of God. And if you noticed when Brother Cobb was reading this passage, in those 10 verses, he says this twice. Twice Paul calls us to wear the full armor of God. That ought to be something we pay attention to. If the Bible ever repeats itself or says the word therefore, those are things that we should be locked into as Christians and we should say, okay, why is this here? What do we need to gain from this? So Paul says here clearly twice in this passage to put on the whole armor of God. I kind of thought about that, that old Texas proverb that my grandfather used to tell me, stay ready so you ain't got to get ready. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. And so he's saying to put on the whole armor of God. Now, if you and I went home today and we turned on the television to watch NFL football and the quarterback runs out and he's, he's looking down the line of scrimmage, he's making sure his receivers are lined up, he's looking back at his coach, making sure the play's in place, he's under center or in shotgun, wherever he's at. This is 2022, so everybody's in shotgun, you know, and he's lined up and he's got on his pads, he's got on his pants, and he's got on his cleats, and he's got on no helmet, we would call him a fool. We would say, <laughs> brother, what are you doing? The most important part of you is exposed. Hey, but I got on my shoulder pads. I got on my helmet. I got on my cleats. But it doesn't matter because he's still partially exposed. He's not wearing everything he needs to protect him. I live next door to Jonathan and Cassie Cotton. My wife and I do, and they have three kids, and we have four kids. And so there's always somebody riding a bicycle, riding a scooter. They're flying around all over the place. Um, they're, they're, it's always a mess outside. Our neighbors probably love it, you know. But what do we always tell them? What is everybody saying every day? Wear your helmet. Wear your helmet. There's seven of them between the two homes. Wear your helmet. And, and they, for, generally for the most part, they will. But about once a week, one of these kids will come running inside the home, screaming and wailing because they have scathed or gashed open something on their feet because they're not wearing shoes. They have shoes. We buy them shoes. And my son came in uh, not too long ago, just screaming and wailing because he just had this huge boo-boo on his foot. And I said, Reed, son, Bubba, you're not wearing your shoes. And he said, but daddy, I'm wearing my helmet. <laughs> and as I can appreciate that, he was still partially exposed to the elements that hurt him. Church, partial protection does not equate to safety. So when Paul is calling the Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God, he is calling us as Christians to be sure that we are engulfed in who Christ is. We are covered by the blood of the Lamb. We are entrenched in the goodness of the Holy Spirit. And we are staying steady in the identity of finding out who Christ is through the Word of God. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says this. It says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Church, we see here that this indicates to us that we will all face opposition from the evil one at some point in our life. Paul calls for the whole armor to the church of Ephesus because he knows what is approaching them. He knows that they will withstand trials from the evil one. 
It is something that is going to happen. Every human being who lives on the earth will have to go through that. Every Christian will have to embrace that. So church, the call to us today as First Baptist Midland, as First Family Fellowship, as First Baptist in Espanol, is to be sure we are covering ourselves in the armor of God because church, we will too have to withstand that opposition at some point in our life. What does that opposition look like? Will you and I be persecuted here in this country because of our faith? I can't answer that. Will our children have to suffer because of our Christian beliefs? I cannot answer that. Will we have to take, will we be in a different tax bracket? Will we suffer financial wages, you know, loss of wages because of our faith put on display? I cannot answer that. But will Satan try to tell you that you're not enough? Yes, he will. Will he try to tell you that your sin makes you too dirty to be reconciled with God? Yes, he will. Will he tell you that you've blown it too many times to be a godly husband, a godly wife, a child of obedience? Yes, he will. Church, this is our spiritual warfare, and this is what we must be guarding against. Each and every day that we wake up and take breath to being sure that we know what our identity is as children of God. And Satan has no right, no rule, and no reign to place those labels on you and on me. Have you, has anybody here ever heard the little whispers that come into your head? You're so gross. Wait until they find out. You're not enough. Wait until your boss really knows you don't know Excel. Wait until, you know, wait, wait until, wait until your, your in-laws really find out, you know, what you're really about. Oh, you lost your temper again? You yelled at somebody? A real pastor wouldn't have done that. Hmm? This is a silly one. We just finished. Uh, it's not silly. It's silly, but it's real. Yesterday, uh, the Midland, Associate, Midland Soccer Association 7U Bulls in the girls' division finished our, our final game of the season, had a whopping 2-8, and eight, and one of those wins is because the other team forfeited. They were scared. I'm just kidding. That's what I told the girls at practice, and they were like, yeah! And we missed like 12 balls in a row. But, <laughs> but... As I'm coaching these girls with what little soccer knowledge I have, and I'm YouTubing trying to learn how to do this, and they're, they're trying to work their, their, their tails off and figure out how to play this wonderful game, all I can do is look at the parents during halftime when everybody's kind of checked out because it's the morning, they're still drinking their coffee, and all of a sudden that little whisper comes in, hey, they don't think you can do this. Hey, you shouldn't be the coach. You should give this team to, to that guy. He, he knows. He knows how to do it. These girls are going to be terrible athletes because of you. Those are very real things that happen. So how do we handle this? Because everybody experiences this. How do we reconcile these things? How, how, how do we handle this? Do, when we hear these things, do we run back? Or do we stand and we fight? Well, let's look at the word of God says. In verses 14 through 15, Paul really begins to, def to define this, but in verse 14, look at the two first words that it says. It says, stand therefore. It says to stand and therefore. So church, when these things come at your front door, when these labels are being presented to you, when these identities are being placed in your head and nobody's feeding them to you but Satan, 
Stand, therefore, and put the breastplate of righteousness on and gird up that belt of truth. Because the truth is you are a loved, chosen child of God. And he is trying to distract you at 100 miles an hour from that reality. And you and I need to recognize that we are enough, that we are loved, that we are cherished, that we are children of God, that we are beautiful, that we are missionaries, and Satan cannot derail us unless we allow the derailing to happen. So church, we need to stand up and depend on the strength of Christ to fight our battles. We need to stand up and depend on the strength of Christ to fight our battles. Okay, look at verses 16 through 20. We're going to move through this pretty quick here. Um, in verses 16 through 20, uh, we really see that, that Paul's kind of defining here in all circumstances of our lives, we ought to be dependent on the Word of God and obedient to God in prayers. Okay, so we're going to talk about the Scriptures, and we're going to talk about our prayer life right quick before we end up closing out. Um, we just talked about standing up and engaging in spiritual warfare, but what does that look like? What is that? How do we do that correctly? How do we do that biblically? Corey Brand one time told me, he said, Sheldon, he said, you go beating down the gates of hell long enough trying to slay anything that comes at you, you're going to get a little bit of that nastiness on you. Those are very, very wise words because there's a very clear depiction of how we are to handle our battles, how we are to handle these trials and these temptations, these mislabelings of identity. And one is through the word of God. It's the only offensive form of this armory that we read about in Ephesians. Everything else is meant to be a form of protection, but this is a form of offense to slay the falsehoods and to be obedient in the truth. So the word of God is where we fully find the identity of God and we find the identity of ourselves. This is where we see righteousness whenever we decide to stand up and fight in the spiritual battle. So take time to get to know God and get to know his love for you, and we do that through his holy word. Charles Spurgeon says this about the scriptures. He said, to us, holy scripture is as the tower of David built for an armory, where there hang a thousand bucklers and a shield of mighty men. If we want weapons, we must come here for them and here only. Whether we seek the sword of offense or the shield of defense, we must find it within the volume of inspiration. I can have no wish to preach at all if I may not continue to expound the subjects which I find in these passages. What else is worth preaching? Brethren, the truth of God is only treasure for which we seek, and the scripture is the only field in which we dig for it. When we take time to know God and to pursue him through the scripture, he will reveal to us our battle plan for success. Before my five-year-old daughter Lila was born, my wife and I had to spend some extensive time in marriage counseling. And in that time, there, was, there were some things that were revealed to me that I didn't know her heart the way that I needed to, and she didn't know my heart the way that she needed to. And it's kind of like we were on these opposite islands, and so it took proactive steps. It took time to get to know and to dig and to pull and to research and to figure out who this wonderful woman God gave me was. And that's the analogy for what we do with our Savior in the Scriptures. Open them, mind through them, 
know God because he knows you. Prayer and supplication. Paul says that in this scripture verse, in these verses. In church, when we are in a spiritual battle, a season of lull, a trial, a temptation, or a moment of all-out emotional eruption, we need to surrender our hearts in prayer. Surrender our hearts to praying and communicating to the Lord. God, this is what I'm feeling. Heard a pastor say this one time. A guy came to him and said, I don't know how to pray. He said, that's okay. Just pray what you got. Just pray what you got. If you're upset and you don't know why you're upset, just tell God, I'm upset. If you can put a label to it, say, God, help me reconcile through this with, with X, Y, Z, with, with certain person, one, two, or three. But just pray what you've got. And so no matter what it is that you're feeling in those moments where you just feel that oppression because the whispers have infiltrated in your mind, pray what you've got because God wants to hear it. So we cover ourselves in the scriptures. We shower ourselves in prayer and protection, seek the divine strength from the Holy Spirit, and we ought to not be so ignorant to think that our spiritual battle is not always at hand. Because church, every day when your feet hit the floor and you close your eyes at night, the cosmic battle still wages. So we have to ask ourselves today, are we able to put on the armor of God? We must ask ourselves and, 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 and wage the question, do I have on the armor of God? Are you a Christian today? And are you lacking one of your forms of personal protective equipment? Are you, is there something that we're missing? If so, make it right with the Lord today. Cover yourself in the word of God. Cover yourself in prayers and scriptures and surround yourself with godly community. Is there a non-believer in here, somebody who cannot say that they're wearing the armor of God, that they don't even know how to suit for that. Today, here in a moment, when Jeff and his team give a time of response, come right down here and talk to me. Find me after service. But don't think that you can't sit in your pew and ask the Lord to reveal himself to you right then and right there. Are you wearing the armor of God today and you've never shown the world? Do you need to be publicly baptized? Do you need to follow the first step of Christian obedience and say, I am washed and I am made new and that washing is for me every single day? Well, come talk to me and we can talk about scheduling of baptism. Do you need to belong to a church, church membership? Are you suited up in your armor and you're catching these flaming darts from the evil one and, and, and you're just tore up and you need to lock arms with others around you? Today is the day that you can do that. It's a very simple membership card, and we'll have a very quick conversation. And you can find home and community right here. So if that is you today, I pray that you will be obedient to the Holy Spirit, and you will surrender your life to him. So as we close out and we have our time of response, I pray that you will just settle your, settle your mind, settle your spirit. No matter what is distracting you right now, let it go. Suit up and be obedient to the God who loves you.